Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody is well. Happy Wednesday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day week it is that you're here. We thank you for being here. Really, really appreciate it. We've been in this world of narrative, trying to understand it for those that are going to be celebrating Passover. I hope this is going to, we're trying to take this to the, to the end game of the power of the Seder, which will, with God's help, get there. Even if you're not, narrative is still important. We've been underneath this sort of umbrella of teaching our children, which we've defined as teaching others. Remember, the concept of children is there are, children is both the individual that you may have given birth to. Children is also somebody that has less understanding than you. They're in that way a child. A child is not a, a derogatory term. It is a is a term for someone who is growing up in something. So if you know math and someone doesn't know math, the relationship is that same paradigm. The ability to influence people, as you I hope we're learning together, has much less to do with what we say than what we think. And this is where sort of where we are. We've been talking these past few days about narrative about the Karate Kid, Rocky IV. The other movie that I that shaped me as a kid growing up is a movie called Rudy, which I think we mentioned here. And we spoke yesterday about this idea of the research that was done by a man named Marshall Duke and his wife, Sarah. And there was another partner there. about how family stories change us. Because my family, if I know about them, is my identity. I remind myself every day that my family is my identity because my name includes my family name. And so I am neuroplastically connected to my family. And when my family has an identity that is clear, I, my, I am connected to that. And when I face challenges, if the identity that I've been given is someone that overcomes challenge, then I'm going to know this movie and go after it. The narrative is what drives me. The narrative is how we either tap into the power that is within us or we don't. The narrative is what I go to when things get hard. When things are easy, I don't really need my narrative because I don't need to pull anything deeper than myself. Usually my narrative comes out when things are challenging, when I'm at that brink. And this applies whether it's a strong family identity or applies in an individual identity. For us, that, for, people, for people that grew up with those around them, that constantly gave them the narrative of you can do this. They don't know where it came from. They just feel they can do this. It's a narrative that they've been hearing again and again. They're inclined to those stories of yes, you can. They're inclined to the stories of how we've made it. This is why, by the way, 
a lot of the media that we consume is very detrimental because media, it's interesting if you really, not that I'm an expert in media, but if you really break down media, you have very different forms of narratives. From a story perspective, you get a lot of sort of rags to riches narratives. You we're constantly being moved by stories of people that overcome challenge. And when you take the time to listen to a full-blown story, however it's presented, what drives us, what we love most is when it works out. It's funny, I had a I had a guy on a on a there's a guy in Hollywood named David Sachs, he's a great guy. He told me this once that the greatest contributions the Jews have made to Hollywood is the story of uh, the Messiah story, right? If you look at the Jewish story, it's things were going well, then it got really bad. We fought, we almost died, and then we survived. And we are better than we were before. Just think of Jewish history at that, like the Messiah. And Messiah is always coming. There's always that hope. Right, you always can see the hero, right? And then we eat. That's that's the Jewish extra to that. But just look at history. Look at the state of Israel. Like just look at the whole story. Holocaust. Things were going fine in Europe. Hitler showed up. Got really, really bad. We almost died as a nation. We survived. And now we like rocking it. Now we got like Silicon Wadi in the state of Israel. Like just think of that narrative in history. And so he, he, we spoke about this once. If you look through the, the, the contributions, the, the idea that movies have these narratives, it's consistent. The narrative of it's going to be good. The narrative is that it'll... it'll We'll, we'll make it in the end. That's the narrative that we keep on getting again and again and again. So when you look at stories, they have those narratives. But when you watch media, when you watch news, those aren't the narratives because what media, what news media is trying to tap into is much more of a raw place. Because remember, survival is much more important to us than winning. Survival is what we've been given. Greatness is what we have to earn. So when you watch a story of rags to riches, that's where greatness comes in. That's 2.0. But if you're, if you may die, your, your brain, the amygdala hijack will focus on that first. So if you have to choose between we're going to be great or we're going to survive, you always go to we're going to survive. So if you look at media, news media, usually news media is the world's falling apart. Usually when you watch news media, it's the world's falling apart. Whoever's in charge is doing a terrible job. If that person wins, we're all going to die. Right? Usually, whatever media you're watching, you're most likely hearing some version of it's terrible. Because it's terrible gets you to look at the, at the paper. It's terrible gets you to stick long enough so that they can send you the ad, you know, three minutes into the clip. Just They got to get paid too, right? Like, I don't know. You got patience to to listen to them to, to news for two hours. So they give you the real policy. No, I got three seconds. I'm on the train. I'm on the I'm in the car. 
Give it to me in, in, in 45 seconds. Okay, I got to get paid for that. So here's what we're going to do. I got to get you to stick to 45 seconds and then I got to throw an ad in. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it something that if you don't watch, you're going to die. What that means is that we're filling ourselves with the world's coming to an end. The negativity, the negativity, the negativity, the negativity, the negativity. That's the story. That's the narrative. It's not a shocker that the country basically stands across from each other and wants, wants to kill each other. Why would we be shocked by that? That's the narrative that's being fed to us all the time. The narrative of if you buy this, you're going to have a good life. Why are we shocked that people want to spend as much time as they can making as much money as they can so they can live the life they're dreaming of? Where did this come from? There's no science behind that. There's no reputable science behind more materialism leads to happiness. The science shows that it's the relationships that lead to happiness. So how come we're not spending time with our families in pursuit of more stuff? It's because the narrative that we hear every single day is it's the stuff that makes you happy. The narratives that are being sent to us from all over is what's driving us. It's how we process the world. It's happening whether we like it or not. The only question is whether or not we want to shift it. The only question is whether or not we want to be co-creators in this. Because if we're not, if we're going to sit down and put the headphones on and just watch narratives, people have what to sell us. But if we're going to go out there and start to change the narrative, now we're, now we're in a different game. The entire aspect of teaching our children really, in my opinion, is controlling the narrative. It's all about the narrative. You can take your family on vacation, spend $10,000. I don't know how much this costs. I'm just making up a number. Fly private to Disneyland, stay in a Disneyland hotel, wake up in the morning and have breakfast with whatever the latest characters are in Disneyland and your kids could be over the moon. But if your narrative is, this is ridiculous, this is too expensive or these lines are too long or when are you gonna show me more respect or whatever the narrative is that you have in your head, even if you don't open your mouth, the kids will feel like, I don't know, was it an amazing vacation? We went to Disneyland, but there's something else about the vacation. You could be sitting in your house in the middle of the pandemic with nothing to do and you can be in Disneyland because your narrative is, this is amazing, we're together. The facts around you are irrelevant. It's the narrative that you share. The facts are just there to support your narrative. And you have to be really careful really careful because if your narrative to your let's take your children for example if your narrative to your children is your value is based on your accomplishments you could think all day that you're parenting them to become great but let me tell you something if their value is based on their accomplishments you are setting them up for real failure because a, a person's value is not based on their accomplishments. A person's value is based on their existence. 
And you may be deep down sort of know that, but you want your kids to be pushed harder. If your narrative that forms your, where's my 10 extra points? And what did everyone else get on the test? Keep on fighting. Oh, you didn't make it. Oh, you didn't make it. You should have tried harder. You should have tried harder. The narrative. Do you know that your sister, when she was, do you know that when your brother was this age, he already? You know what I'm talking about? Kids these days. When I was your age, I had total respect for everybody. Walked back and forth to school without my shoes on and was able to work 14 jobs by nine o'clock. Lazy. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough is a narrative that sometimes well-intentioned parents seem to deliver to their children. Let me tell you another, you're not enough. I'll solve it for you. That's also you're not enough. The narrative, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. The narratives of how we grew up. The narratives of how we are raised change us. Shout out to those out there that, that give us positive narratives. And thank God I was, I'm, I'm, honestly, I was blessed. Really, I was blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. My parents gave me great narratives growing up. I owe it to them. But understand that if we're in a situation where we are talking to other people, we have to control the narrative. And the narrative is going to determine what stories we tell, what advice we give, when we get upset, when we get happy, that's all narrative. And the people around us get it. You can be the most religious person in the world. If you have an opportunity to steal from somebody else and you do it, even in the slightest way, that's the narrative that your family is going to see. That's powerful. Understand that the narratives that we believe in are the narratives that are supporting the facts that, that dictate the stories that we tell other people. Now, you may ask yourself, well, how do I change that? How do I change the narrative? And the answer is you change it by giving it. Don't worry about your own narrative. Don't worry about what you heard. That's the beauty of being a human being is that you have control. Don't worry about if you grew up in a world where your narratives weren't healthy. Forget that. Remember, it's just neuroplasticity. You can control your narrative by changing your narrative. A little bit of a, we'll talk about it next week, but just a little bit just to understand what's happening. The entire Passover Seder 
is God's way of saying, control the narrative. Understand that, that the most important narrative the Jewish people have is we're going to make it. You can be slaves one day and freed the next day. We can overcome anything. That's a narrative. You know where that narrative came from? It came from the Passover Seder. It came from generations of sitting around the table and family members saying a long, long time ago we were slaves and it looked like we were going to get annihilated and God showed up and we survived. That's a narrative. The facts, everybody knows the facts of Egypt. You don't got to be a scholar. You just got to watch Disney. It's the narrative that applies to our lives. That's what we're doing. That's this whole goal. That's why the Seder is such an important part of our, of our, of our year. The narrative of we were down and out for the count, but we're never down and out for the count. Remember one time I was talking to a, a soldier from Israel. I'm blessed because of this incredible organization momentum to go to Israel. Every year with God's help, I should be always be blessed. 200 guys. When you go with Israel with 200 guys, it's a different world, different experience. So one year I was talking to, um, we, we always see soldiers and they, they bring their um, their commanders and whatever. So one year I was talking to this one older soldier. I'll never forget this. You know, like in Israel, you have like these, you know, these soldiers that like, you know, these guys that like, they're like, they're like a hundred you know what I'm talking about? But they're like in better shape than you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the, like you know, these Israelis that are like, the guy's like a hundred years old, you know, shaved head. He could like bench press me. You know, I'm like huffing and puffing after like the third flight of stairs. And he's like just running up Masada in the morning just for fun. You know those dudes? Yeah. So I was talking to one of those guys. And Israelis have this thing, which I hate for the Israelis that are watching this. They somehow seem to want to tell me if they if they don't feel like they're they're as religious because I have a yarmulke, they somehow want to tell me that they're chiloni, which is Hebrew for secular. I don't buy it. I don't like it. I don't buy it. You don't put your life on the line for the Jewish people and think you're secular. My opinion. Every Jew. There's no such thing in my mind as a bad Jew. I don't like when people do that, when they determine how good of a Jew they are. You're a great Jew. Try your hardest. Do your best. Connect. You're amazing. But somehow they somehow tell me that. So I'm talking to this awesome hero of the Jewish people. He's a hero. Fought in like five wars. A total hero. A total and legit. His whole life is defending the Jewish people. It's righteous in my book. So he tells me, I... I, we're talking about whatever. And he, I say to him, like, you know, for those of you who know their, their Israel history, you know, there are moments where, where it got really tough. You know, 1973, in the beginning of the Yom Kippur War. What's scary? 1967, May, Egypt, Syria, promising to send Israel into the sea. It's, it's tough. It was tough. I said, do you ever have a moment where you thought it was over? 
did you ever have a moment where you thought that this whole Israel would just collapse? You're you're in the army. You're in the bunker. You're 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 not watching. You're not me watching it. You know, after the fact, this guy says to me, "Never, like never, never once. All your years in the war, never. How come?" He says to me, "I'm a chiloni. I'm like stop saying that because I don't do a lot. Because what my grandfather was tzaddik, tzaddik, righteous." And I used to go to his house for Passover, Pesach Seder, for the Passover Seder. And every year he would look at me and say, God took us out. He's never going to abandon us. We have a prayer for those who are familiar with the Seder called Vihisha Amda. Just that moment. He'll never abandon us. Because then I thought to myself, if he didn't abandon us until now, he's not going to abandon us in 1973. You know what drove a soldier in 1973? Narrative. The narrative of the Jewish people. You know what drives you and what could drive those around you is the narrative. Think about the narratives that you share with other people around you. What's the narrative you tell the people around you? Think about that in the advice you give in the stories you tell, in the moments of challenge, what's the narrative that is underneath the words? Is it empowering or is it disempowering? Do you believe in them or do you not believe in them? When we start to realize that we're controlling the narrative, we start to adjust the things we tell and here's the secret, and I'll end with this talk about this tomorrow. The things we tell, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll spend more time on this tomorrow. I'll do this tomorrow. Let me just a- end with this. The things we tell others are the things that we believe in ourselves. All right, think about this today. Have an amazing day. Remember, control the narrative of our lives. You control the narrative. You control the, the ability. All right, have a great day. With God's help, I cannot wait to see you again mañana. Have a great day. Thank you.